0: Thanks for joining us here at Life Church, where we are one church meeting in multiple locations and reaching around the world with what's going on at church online. If you ever have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to life.church. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Life Church app available wherever you download your apps from. You know, coming up today, we start a brand new message series that helps us see how we as a church believe that generosity is not just something we do, it's who we are. In fact, some would argue we are most like God when we give. And today our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, will help us see how when we give, it teaches us to put God first and helps to build our faith. All of that in part one of This Is What We Do.
1: Hey, it's great to have all of you with us today. I'm wondering who's a little bit excited to be in church today. Do we have anybody today? All of our churches, it's great to uh, to be with you guys. And before we dive into this week's message, I wanna give a little shout out to uh, some of our different churches. On this particular weekend, we have three of our live churches celebrating anniversaries uh, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, under the leadership of Pastor Melody Dixon. We are celebrating in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 15 years of being a church influencing Tulsa. Every Tulsa location in there, I think there are six campuses came out of this particular location, we celebrate with you guys. uh, Northwest Oklahoma City under the leadership of Pastor Ronnie Brumley celebrating 10 years of ministry impacting so many lives. And in Overland Park, Kansas, we have Pastor Danny Duran leading a movement in the Kansas City area at the one-year anniversary. We celebrate with you guys all that is happening there. And uh, I'll tell you what, I just have to say I love this particular service, you guys are a little more fired up, and that's why I'm excited to tell you this weekend we're going to talk about the blessings of generosity. Yeah. It must have been my delivery because I'm, I'm going to try it again because I just told him how much I love him, and we know how we're generous here, so I'm going to try it again. This weekend, I want to talk to you about the blessings of generosity. Yeah, I I, I knew there would be some people fired up because we're a little bit different here, man. I mean, we just love to use what we have to make a difference. In fact, I'm curious, how many of you would say that honestly, you are, you're a pretty generous person. All of our churches, you love to be generous, you're a pretty generous person. I agree with that with my whole heart. When I look around, I truly do see some of the most amazing, crazy, passionate, generous people. At our church, we say something a little different. If you know it, say it with me. We love to say that we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We will lead the way. We're going to do everything we can to make a difference with what God has blessed us with. And I celebrate The generosity of so many of you is truly, truly amazing. It's God inspiring, and it makes a big difference in this world. Unfortunately, if we can just call it what it is, a lot of people get uncomfortable when you talk about generosity. And the truth is, tragically in our country, many people are not that generous. If you ask them, are they generous? Many people are gonna say, yeah, I'm pretty generous. And the reason is because they give something. But we need to understand that giving and being generous, they're actually two different things. Giving and being generous, they're actually two different things. To be generous is to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. And I wanna show you a couple of thoughts about people in my country, I know church online, there are those of you from countries all over the world and I'm not gonna pick on your country, I'm gonna pick on mine and give you just a couple of thoughts. Uh, You could jot these down if you want to. Most Americans don't feel rich and we are. Most Americans don't feel rich and we are. Most Americans think we are generous and we aren't. Let me repeat both thoughts again. Most Americans don't feel rich and we are, Most Americans think we're generous and we're not. Let's unpack this for a minute. Uh, Most of us don't feel rich. And the reason is why? Because there's somebody that's a lot richer. When we compare ourselves with someone who has a lot more, we don't feel like we're wealthy. But when we compare ourselves with people around the world, we have to acknowledge we are extraordinarily blessed, aren't we? We We really are. In fact, if you drive a car, if you have a vehicle, Uh, depending on what study you read, that puts you somewhere in the top six to 9% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you have transportation in a car, you're somewhere in the top six to 9% of the wealthiest people in this world. You're in the top 10%, that's incredibly blessed. We're, We're blessed and we don't know it. And you think about what we take for granted. For example, chances are, most of you had some experience like this this week. You got in your car, or someone's car and drove perhaps past six or seven different restaurants to go to your favorite restaurant, walked up to your favorite restaurant, perhaps were a little put off if you had to wait five minutes to get in because you usually don't have to, came and sat down at a table. Someone else came and took your order brought food to you, you ate it all, someone else cleaned the dishes, you got back in a vehicle, drove to the place that you live. If you live in a place like I did, you drive up to your house, press a button, and a door opens up. How ridiculously wealthy is that? And you drive your vehicle into its very own house. It's a house for your car. Some of you, you've got a two or three car house and some of you have so much stuff you have to put extra stuff in there and don't have room for your cars because that's so much stuff you have. And then you walk into your house, which is climate controlled, which is a very nice thing, meaning if you want it to be 72 degrees, it is 72 degrees, no matter what it is outside. And then at some point you have to go to the bathroom. I'm just saying it because you have to go to the bathroom. We all have to go to the bathroom. When you go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, you push a button and your stuff goes away. If you don't every now and then thank God that your stuff goes away, then you are missing out on a really big blessing because many people, their stuff doesn't go away. Stays in a hole. You push button, then it's still in the hole. Your stuff goes away. That's how rich you are. That doesn't happen all over the world. You go to sleep in a very comfortable bed, you wake up the next day, you're gonna to go to church, you walk into your closet, you got clothes from this side of closet to the other. Some of you have two stories of clothes. You got clothes here and another layer of clothes. And you walk in, you touch them all, and then what do you say at the end of it? I've got nothing to wear, right? <laughs> That's how rich we are. That's how rich we are, right? Most of us, we're re- really blessed and we don't know it. The problem is, if you ask the average American are you generous, they're gonna say, yeah, I'm pretty generous, but we're really not. In fact, I wanna show you a couple stats. The average American actually gives only 2.8% of what they bring in away, 2.8%. That news is if you're really blessed, your percentage goes down, okay? If you make over $100,000 a year, not 2.8, but you actually give 2.6% away, and that is not God honoring. That's not generous. That's not what we do. As Jesus followers, we do something different. We lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We can do much better than that. And the challenge is, I don't wanna pick on anybody, the reason why people don't give more, let's be honest, because they don't feel like they can. Because I don't know hardly anybody that doesn't want to give more. Most people I know would love. If I said, who would love to give more? I don't know anybody that wouldn't say, I would love to give so much more. And the reason that we don't is because we feel like we can't because so many people are tight, they're hurting and they're afraid. And this is how I was raised without much at all. And I, I literally had, uh, you can study about this. I had a scarcity mindset, a scarcity. You can hear it in the language. There's not enough. I wish I could give more, but I can't afford to. We never can get ahead. We're always behind. There's always more month left than money. It's a scarcity mindset and you can hear it in the language. In fact, the challenge is scarcity is actually a cycle. And I want to show you the scarcity cycle. This is what the scarcity cycle looks like. God supplies, and the first thing that we do is we end up consuming. In other words, okay, we have it. We feel like it's all for us. So we spend whatever comes in, we consume. Then at the end of the month, we're like, oh my gosh, there's not enough money left over. And so we lack. Whenever we consume and then we don't have enough, what's the dominant emotion that we feel? We fear. Then we consume more. And this is tragically how the majority of people in my country live. This is called paycheck to paycheck. God gives to us, we spend what we have. Oftentimes we spend more than we have. How do we do that? I don't even know, but we're able to do that. We lack, we fear, we consume, we lack, we fear. And it's a cycle. You can hear it in our language. I wish we could do more, but we can't. I never can seem to get ahead. No matter what I do, there's just never, ever enough. It's a cycle of scarcity. In fact, if I can just call somebody out today, if you found yourself tensing up, if your butt cheeks got tight when I mentioned generosity, right, I mean, come on, let's have some fun. If you got, oh, you know, oh, why is that? Because we have a scarcity mindset. We're thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, the church just wants your money. Oh, I can't afford to do that. It's a scarcity mindset mindset. I want to show you as Jesus followers, we have a totally different mindset. Because of what God does, this is what we do. Because of what God did for us through Jesus, we do something different first. And when we do something, God does something and it creates a whole different cycle. It's not a cycle of scarcity, but it's a cycle of supply. Let me show you what we do. This is what we do. We give generously. That's what Jesus' followers do. Because of what God did for us, we love to give generously. In fact, Paul talked a lot about giving to the Corinthian church and in other places. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we're gonna read a portion, then we're gonna see what God does. Paul said, you must decide in your heart how much to give. That's what we do, we give generously. And I love his instructions. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, if you feel manipulated, if you feel pressure, do not give. This isn't even me saying it, this is in God's word. Don't do it. If you feel that way today, do not, do not, do not, do not give. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is what we do. We give cheerfully, joyfully, hilariously. We really believe. It's a massive blessing to be generous to others. And then what happens? God will generously provide all you need. Notice this isn't lack, this isn't scarcity, God provides. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left, left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and how do they give? Say it with me. And they give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's what we do. This is what we do. When God blesses us, we give. And then God gives generously to us we have everything that we need. People thank God, they remember it forever. God loves it when we're generous. People love it when we're generous. It's a tremendous joy when we're generous. This is what we do. As Jesus followers, this is what we do. What does God do? God multiplies abundantly. We give generously and God multiplies abundantly. Verse 10, continuing with the text says, "'For God is the one, who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. What does God do? God gives us seed to sow. God gives us something to plant. God gives us resources to give and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. This isn't lack, this isn't scarcity, this is abundance, this is blessing. He multiplies, increases your resources. And then what happens? This produces a harvest of generosity in you. God is blessing and multiplying and you become even more generous. And then scripture says you will be enriched in every way. Why? So you can always be afraid? Do you you always be nervous? No. So you can always be generous. And when we take those gifts to those who need him, what are they going to do? They're going to thank God. They're going to praise God. And this is diametrically opposed to the common mindset, which is cycle of scarcity. Instead, when we sow God supplies. When we sow, God supplies. In fact, let me show you just a, a different way of looking at things. The first one is this, this is, the, th- this is scarcity. We consume, we lack, we fear, consume, lack, fear. I wish we could do more, but we can't. Instead, whenever God supplies, what's the first thing that we do? We give. As Jesus followers, the very first thing that we do in response to God is as God blesses us, We return 10% of tithe back to him as an act of worship. We give to God first because God gave to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his firstborn son, Jesus, we give. When we give, what does God do? God multiplies it. We put seed into the ground. God gives us a harvest, a bigger return. God multiplies what we give. When When we give, God multiplies. We don't fear what happens. Our faith grows and suddenly what do we do? Oh my gosh, God has blessed us. We give some more and God multiplies. Our faith grows. And and suddenly we have a harvest of generosity because of the goodness of God. Instead of living in fear of lack, we take this crazy radical faith that makes no sense intellectually. Only in God's economy does it make sense and we worship God with the tithe. What does the tithe do. Among so many other things, tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a cycle of supply. What does it do? It breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. How does it work? What is the tithe? The tithe comes from the Hebrew word maaser, which means one-tenth. One-tenth of everything that comes to us We give back to God in an act of worship. You say, does that even matter now, like New Testament times? You go all the way back before the law, before the law even existed, Abraham returned first increased back to God. Go all the way to the New Testament, two different times in the Gospels. Jesus said, recorded two different times, you should tithe. And he said, and do not forget the more important matters of the law. In other words, tithing, that's just kind of an assumption. That's just what we do. Don't forget love, mercy, sacrifice. Of course we tithe. This is just what we do. When God blesses us, we worship him in an act of honor and say, God, I return back to you 10% of what you give to me. Then God multiplies it, it builds our faith, we give some more and suddenly instead of a cycle of scarcity and lack, we experience the abundance of our good God and he creates a harvest of generosity in us. Let's unpack it, three thoughts about the power of the tithe. What does the tithe do? Number one, the tithe teaches us to put God first. It teaches us to put God first. I love the way it's recorded in today's Living Bible, Deuteronomy 14, 23, that says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. It teaches you to always put God first. If I can slow down for a moment, let me just kind of get into your mind because I know what a lot of you are thinking, oh, I should have slept in today. (laughs) Shouldn't have come to church tonight. You know, oh, not this week. You know, this is scary. I mean, things are tight. And I I don't want to do this. So, Craig, you know, for me to do that, for me to tithe, it would like, what you're saying is it would take me rearranging my whole life around God. Are you telling me that? Yes, I am. Absolutely. I mean, you don't understand. Like, I have to make massive changes. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. To do that, it would take crazy faith. Yes, it's exactly what I'm telling you. Why? Because it takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. Tithing, every time I receive an increase from God, it reminds me in a very tangible way, God, because of what you did for me, this is my honor to give back to you. I have rearranged, prioritized my life around you as the Lord of all, and I put you first. Tithing teaches us to put God first. The second thing is that the tithe builds our faith. We see the faithfulness of God. And this is what Malachi three ten and 11 teaches us. Uh, scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And what's crazy is this is the only place anywhere in scripture that God says you're allowed to test him. The only place anywhere in the Bible, God says you can test him and it's on this. God says, test me. You don't believe it, try it, give it a shot. See if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. See if my economy is not different than this world's. The world says consume and lack and fear and consume and lack and fear. See if when you give to me first, I don't multiply it. Build your faith and suddenly create a harvest of generosity. In other words, God is saying, give me your first and your best and I will bless the rest. See if 90% with God's blessings doesn't go further than 100% without. You'll start with the tithe, you'll see the blessings of God, and suddenly you get like crazy passionate about doing even more. It's like if you went to the gym with me and I said, hey, let's have a workout, drop down and give me 40 push push-ups." You might be like, Craig, you're smoking the funny weed. I can't do 40 push I'm like, come on now, yeah, you will. You will, you can't yet, but you will. Just do what you can do. You might knock 12 out the first time. Next week, you're up to 14. Week after that, you're 18. Three weeks into it, you're at 28. Six months into it, you're gonna knock out 40. You're gonna jump and say, what else do you have for me? Bring some more on. And this is what happens with generosity. You start with the tithe. You see God's provision. It blesses you to give even more. Suddenly you're giving offerings. Suddenly you're rearranging your whole life, recognizing that what God has given you is actually not all for you, but you can use it to make an impact and a difference in this world because it is more blessed to give to others than it is to receive. And a cycle of abundance happens, and suddenly you're transformed when you give to God first. It's powerful. It's freeing. And it's nothing like we're most Americans live today, scarcity. So I'll tell you a little bit of my story. And if you've heard it before, um, it's because I only have one journey toward tithing, but it's very special to me. I grew up in a home without much. Uh, we were, we were I was raised with a massive scarcity mindset. I went to counseling to try to break this mindset because I have so so much of a fear of lack. In fact, scripture says that if you don't tithe, you're actually robbing from God. I didn't just rob from God in a tithe. Like I robbed, robbed, stole, robbed from God when I was an usher in high school at First United Methodist Church. I was, you know, you had a couple of kids that would pass out the little gold um, plates with red felt so you couldn't hear the quarters hit, and we'd pass them out. Well, we would actually, me and my buddy, uh, I won't tell you his name, uh, but John and I would go down (laughs) and, and we'd take the buckets down into the basement to give to the adult ushers. And we'd take a couple of dollars out every single week. And then we sneak out the door and we go to the little store across the street, buy a popsicle, take that thing down so fast, come back and listen to the rest of the sermon with a brain freeze on stolen money from God. God might strike me down. That's what I did, that's where I started. And so whenever I became a follower of Jesus in college and I heard my first tithe message, my response might've been a little bit like a lot of yours, like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that one. <laughs> that one's not for me. And when I heard another message, it really impacted me in an, in an amazing way because like you, I really want to honor God. And this was an area of my life that I had chosen to dishonor and to disobey God. I'd never trusted him with a tithe. The pastor said, put him to the test and see what God will do. And so I had just taught Tennis, I had, I, I had I created some camps. So I made a lot of money in the summer for a 19-year-old kid. And I knew about how much I made. And I wrote my first tithe check. Now, some of you can say, what's a check? What you can do is Google it and you find out what a check is or ask your grandma. <laughs> so I wrote a check. And um, my hand was kind of shaking when I did it. And I was overwhelmed with emotion because I was in an area that was a, was, um, a big point of fear for me. I was trusting God, test me in this and see if I won't prove myself faithful. What I'm about to tell you is 100% true. My mom can verify it. She comes to the Saturday night services and um, I'm not saying this is gonna to happen to you. What I am saying is God will prove himself faithful to you. And this is how he proved himself faithful to me. I had money saved up to, I was saving up money to buy a car. I gave my first tithe check. My grandma called me and said, I can't explain it, but I just can't, I, I have to do this. Would you allow me to buy you a car? Same day, I got my first high check. She offered to buy me a car. She didn't buy me a regular car. She bought me a spirit-filled, anointed Christian car. Dead serious. She bought me a Honda Accord. A spirit-filled, anointed Christian car. Because all the disciples gathered in one Accord. See what I did right there, okay? See what I did. Work with me, work with me. I mean, it's a true story. And, and I'll tell you what, when you see the provision of God in whatever way you do, it changes you. It changes you, and it changed me. It changed me. It's no longer cycle of scarcity, the cycle of abundance. It totally and completely changed me. So for 30 years, 30 years, when Amy and I got married, my income was $1,000 a month, it's $1, 000, and we tithe then. In. My income's more than that today, and we tithe today. For 30 years, we have never missed an opportunity one time to honor God with what he trusted to us. This is what we do. This is what, it makes no sense to the world. This is what we do. We give, God multiplies, he builds our faith. And then, and I'm not gonna tell you what we give now because it's nobody's business, but it's a heck of a lot more than a tithe. It's a heck of a lot more than a tithe. And we arrange our life around it because we're crazy like that. And one of the biggest moments of faith that happened to us was in 2006. And in 2006, our church was in really bad shape financially and I'll explain a little bit why. Uh, we grew so fast with so many young people that we just couldn't keep up. There were two different times I took on a home equity loan just to make payroll. That's how it was. I mean, it was just, it was just always like that. And we were bigger but still hurting financially in massive debt and churches all over the world started wanting to buy our resources. They wanna buy sermons, graphics, videos. And if I can just be real honest, so many amazing churches, pretty much every large church would, with integrity, sell products. And there would be a tremendous stream of cash flow that could be used for good things by making products available. We sat in a little office in this side of this building, 2006, and said, well, it's time to sell our products. And we thought, what if, what if, we gave it all away. And the moment we posed that question, my faith went through the ceiling like, yes. It would be, and what you need to understand, it, was, it, would, it would be an earth-shattering thing in my little church world, because everybody sells it. And fear rose up just after faith, and I thought, what if we can't afford to do this? We're in the peak of debt, what if we can't afford to do this? And we took the step of faith, and we did it. We gave. God multiplied. He built our faith. He provided more than we had ever had before. And you could just start to see this. Then one day we came up with the idea of the Bible app. What if we gave the Bible app away? We can't do that. This web costs way too much money. We can't do that. And so we decided to give the Bible app away. And then what happened? God multiplied. Here we are 10 years later, completely debt-free, pay for campuses and cash before we ever started. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? At a time when it made no sense, we gave, God multiplied, it built our faith and the cycle of generosity continues. And that's why when I tell you as a church, and I, and I, and I mean it, we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we believe it, Jesus said it, it is more blessed to give to receive. The tithe teaches us to put God first. It builds our faith. And then without apology, I'm gonna tell you right now, number three, it provides for the work of God's church. That's what it does. When you return 10% into God's church, a lot gets done in the world. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Show of hands, be honest, all of our different churches. How many of you would say that your life is different spiritually because of God's work in this church If if your life is different spiritually, would you raise your hand right now just all over the place? What happens? Spiritual food in the house makes a difference. Someone else gave, the work of God goes forward. Your life is impacted. This is what we do. Let me tell you just a few stories, just a few stories from this week. Chris, a recovering uh, addict, was invited by eight other recovering addicts who were new believers in Christ in Wellington, Florida. They finally got Chris to come. Weekend number one, last weekend, he surrenders his life to Christ, comes forward and says, please help me. I need to get free of drugs. I need Jesus inside of me. Let me tell you also from last weekend, Rajah, um, a Hindu from India who's been a part of our church online community battling depression and asking lots of questions went public with his faith in Jesus last weekend. That is two stories of 101, 1,001 salvation stories from last week. Let me say it again, and don't even clap. I want you to feel this. That's two stories from 1,001 salvation stories from last week, 1,001, and that happens all the time. We're not praying for revival. Listen, church, we're in the middle of one. We're in the middle of one, and that's what happens. A couple other stories. Uh, Prem from India said thank you that the Bible is now available on audio um, in Hindi. Uh, Gia from Alabama said her whole family came to know Christ because of the YouVersion Bible app. That's two stories of the 265 million free Bibles that we've given away on devices all over the world. 265 million. Uh, Pastor Kevin wrote in from California, said the free resources provided to his church helped it triple in size over the last year. That's one of over 400,000 pastors that downloaded free resources from our church last year. Last week, we helped pay the rent uh, for a father of four who's unable to work because he's going through chemo. That happens every week, multiple times at every single life church. You never know about it. God gets glorified and needs are met. Every life church location has. A, a, a local mission partners. We all have multiple ones. There's 26 life churches. We all have multiple mission partners. Uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we partner with the, uh, the Tulsa Boys Home. The, the Tulsa churches gathered, gave an offering and gave this home um, $180,000 recently. More than that, over 300 volunteers serve regularly in the Tulsa Boys Home. What I'm most passionate about, I taught one message, one message on being adopted into God's family. What if we, as a church, started adopting people? In my state, our church helped with with, uh, state organizations, uh, create a care portal through our church, through one message. 1,978 children have been now placed in foster homes (laughs) through our church. Who does that? This is what we do. This is what we do. Why? Because of what he did, this is what we do. I have no problem teaching this with every bit of passion from my heart. For 30 years, I returned the tithe because because of what Jesus did in me, I am honored to worship him and put him first. Because of what God did, this is what we do. This is just, who gives the Bible away for free? We do. Who gives resources away for free? We do. Who helps pay the rent for people who are hurting? We do. Who reaches out and and helps thousands of children find homes and godly families? We do. This is what we do because of what he did. We'll lead the way with irrational generosity. The question I have for you is this. This is what we do. Are you a part of we? Seriously. This is what we do. Are you a part of we? Or are you still living in the cycle of scarcity? Because look at it one more time, cycle of scarcity. On the left is where most people live today. We consume, we lack, we fear. Cycle of abundance. It makes no sense in the natural. It'll never make sense on paper. It is supernatural. We give, God multiplies, Our faith grows and we give some more. When we give, God creates in us a harvest of generosity. And when we give, people thank God. This isn't just what we do, it's who we are. We're generous, why? Because God gave first. Because of what God did, this is what we do. And I wanna invite you, if you're not a part of it, to be a part of we. This is what we do and God is glorified when we give, and he meets needs all over this world. So Father, empower us, your church, to be a part of a revolution of generosity, using what you've given us, recognizing we are blessed beyond measure, to be a massive blessing in this world. All of our churches, as you reflect right now, those of you who are Jesus followers, and you say, I would love to be even more generous. God, bless me to be a blessing. Would you lift up your hands right now? I hope every Jesus follower would say yes. God, I pray today, for faith to increase, that as we put you first, you would honor your word and we put you to the test, God, that you would open up floodgates of heaven, provide even more that would build our faith, not so we could even enjoy it all for ourselves, but we could be a bigger blessing to others. God, make us your church so radically generous that even non-believers, doubters and skeptics look on and say, well, I may not believe what they believe, but they sure do practice it. Oh my gosh. They are generous. May the world see your love through the generosity of your church, Jesus. Build our faith. God, for those who would tithe for the very first time, God, I ask that you would prove yourself faithful as you promise that you are a God who provides abundantly, that we could be even more generous to your causes in this world. As you keep praying today, all of our different churches, there are those of you you're gonna recognize. You're not putting God first. You're not putting God first. You recognize that you've sinned against God. How in the world do I even make my way back? Our God wants more than anything else to be first in your life. Understand this, God gave first to you. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his one and only son. God gave his firstborn Jesus. In other words, you could say Jesus was God's tithe. Before we ever responded, God God gave his seed, God gave his son into this world in faith, believing that we would respond to his gift of salvation through Jesus, who is Jesus, the son of God, who was born of a virgin, didn't inherit a sin nature, lived a perfect life. On the cross, he became sin for us. He took our sin, he died with it. On the third day when the stone was rolled away, he wasn't there. The tomb was empty, he's risen. He defeated death, hell and the grave. And all of our churches, there are those of you, you recognize he's not first in your life, you acknowledge You've sinned and you need a savior. Jesus is the son of God. Whoever calls on his name would be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how dark your life is when you call on him, you will be saved, forgiven, made new. The past is gone and everything is new. And all of our churches there, those of you, you recognize you need his grace. You're not here by accident. God brought you here today for you to call on him, to save you as you put him first. All of our churches, you say, yes, I need your grace. I need your mercy, Jesus, today. I trust you, I give my life to you. That's your prayer, lift your hands high right now. All over the place and say yes. Right back over here, back over here in the back, right here, God bless you, up here close. Way back here over the back, over here in this section. Others of you, all three of you right here together. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Over here on this side, right back here in this section. Praise God for you. Oh my gosh, others of you who say yes, I need your grace. We're not praying for revival. We're in the middle of one. God's spirit is moving here. Church Online, you click right below me and together as a church, help me welcome those into God's family today. Pray aloud. Nobody prays alone. Pray, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Asking Jesus to forgive me and to make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you and follow you The rest of my life, I put you first. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big? Would you worship loud? Would you welcome those into God's family and celebrate the goodness of God?
0: It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to life.church slash next. You know, here at Life Church, it's our honor to partner with several Christ-centered organizations at all of our Life Church locations. It's just one more way we get to extend our reach beyond the walls of a physical building. And recently, we had the chance to further our relationship with one of our amazing partners, the City Lights Foundation in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Take a look.
2: We are headed to the City Lights Foundation building, and we are gonna present them with a $50,000 grant. And Dusty and Chad are there in the back. Hey! What's up, guys? We're excited. And we're super excited to present them with this grant check to help them do what they're doing already package Our mission is loving individuals giving hope and Thank touching you. souls and that's what we're here to do is just be lights in our community be lights in other people's lives and just love people and be in a relationship bringing hope and dignity um, and touching them in a way that is reformative and brings out change in their life. <laughs> <It's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> their goal to provide hope and friendship for Tulsa's homeless and inner-city neighborhoods, it's amazing and we were excited to be a part of that and agile as a local missions partner for Life Church. I have to say, like we love, love, love our Life Church volunteers. The people that come out from Life Church who love on others and who who truly, truly give them their best and give God their best by loving them has made all the difference in the world and has made a huge difference in our community our support is twofold. It's through relationships and through resources. And because we believe in what City Lights Foundation is doing, we're excited to um, back y'all even further with a $50,000 grant. So so that y'all can keep doing what you do best, which is loving individuals, giving hope, and touching souls.
0: Here at Life Church, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That single statement drives everything we do here as a church, all because we believe whoever finds God truly finds life.